Verdict was guilty. Case closed, the end. No chance for me to ever leave this prison of my sin. Now I know it might seem crazy, but one day a key unlocked that cell. I heard a small voice say, your debt's been paid by somebody else. And now I'm walking, walking, walking free. No more darkness, guilt has lost its grip on me. When mercy called my name, those chains fell at my feet. And now I'm walking, walking, walking free. Now I ain't nothing perfect. I still stumble every single day. I still get knocked down, but the difference now is that's not where I stay. Cause I've got a savior who knows everywhere I've been. And he's telling me that I never have to go back there again. So now I'm walking, walking, walking free. No more darkness, guilt has lost its grip on me. When mercy called my To the one with regret, look up and see your victory is just up ahead. Cause there is a Savior who knows everywhere you've been. And he's telling you that you never have to go back there again. So if you know that you never have to go back there again, then sing out. Walking, walking, walking. Good morning. It is great to see you here this morning. Welcome to East Hillsville Baptist Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you chose to be with us. And uh, we encourage you before you leave to do a couple things. Number one, we'd love to uh, meet you. Our staff's usually here at the front. We'd love to meet you to find out how we can uh, serve you better. But also encourage you before you leave to uh, stop by our guest table in the lobby. You can get a guest bag there that has more information about the church. I also just want to say that um, we'll be having a class 101, a new members class that is required for membership coming up on February 12th. If you've been visiting for a while or, or even if you're a member and you've never gone through the class uh, in the past, uh, we'd encourage you to take that. But you can do a couple things, fill out the care card in your bulletin, 
fill that out and indicate on there that you'd like to take the new members class and you can leave that on your chair or drop it in the plate at the back or give it to one of us. Um, we would encourage you to do that or you can scan the QR code that's in your center column. Uh, the guest information form has that option. You can just check that box and let us know that you're planning to take that class so we can plan on you to be a part of that on February 12th. But right now we're going to ask everyone to stand, take just a minute, say hello to your neighbor. Welcome them to the service and prepare for worship.
and thank you. As we come to this time of prayer, last week our, we, we kind of focused on a couple in our church, uh, Zach and India Pearson. I just want to tell you that they're home now, and God really answered some prayers that I can only say that it's a God thing, okay? So don't think that when you come up here and pray that God's not listening or hearing, and God is. Now, they still need prayers. Baby A and baby B still need your prayers. But God's done some things I think some of the family would tell us that only He could do. And some things that we prayed for, and we're just thankful for that. So let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. I want to mention this as well. Uh, I think most of you know Jeff Chapman, the pastor at Little River Baptist Church. Jeff's a good friend of mine, great preacher. Little River's a great church. Um, he's in the hospital now and has been dealing with health issues for quite some time. And uh, I would encourage you, as we pray for uh, Zach and India and, and their uh, babies, also to lift Jeff and his family up in prayer. Also lift Little River Baptist Church up in prayer because the whole church is going through this. He's been a pastor there for a long time, been a faithful pastor, and uh, they're in that transition here of having people fill the pulpit, and that's not easy. Also, you may have something that you need to pray for for yourself. Wednesday night we talked about this. It is okay to ask God to bless your life spiritually. Aren't you thankful? All right, amen? Well, when the, when the choir leads us in this, in this time of uh, prayer, I'm going to ask you to come forward, and we're going to pray for these things, but also pray for yourself, okay? So as Sharon leads us in this, this song, you meet me here at the altar, and let's pray together this morning. Pray with me now. Father, as we come to your prayer, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for how you've answered prayer. Lord, with the Pearson family, Lord, there's still a long way to go. And Lord, a lot of things can happen. But Lord, we just want to personally thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for this family. And uh, Lord, we pray for Zach and India, for baby A and baby B, as they're called right now. Lord, we, 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 we pray for uh, a healthy delivery and healthy children. Lord, and pray that you would help them. Lord, I pray for my good friend Jeff Chapman. And Lord, pray that you'd bring healing to his body. I pray for his church. Lord, I want to thank you for Little River Baptist Church and for what it means to this community. And I pray that you'd bless that congregation during this time and help them. Father, we, we lift ourselves up to you now. And Lord, I pray that every person in this church would pray for themselves. If, if the Lord could bless you in any way, what would it be? Ask the Lord to do that now, spiritually speaking. Father, I pray that for our church, that you continue to bless our church. Help this church to be a light into a dark world. Lord, I pray for every member of East Hazelwood Baptist Church. Lord, we have members that are in the hospital now. We have members that are homebound. Lord, you love them just as much as you do anybody that's here. I pray that you'd meet their needs. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to love each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other. Lord, I'm so thankful to belong to a local church. And I pray that we'd never take these times for granted. But Lord, I pray that you would bless our church in every area, Lord, that we'd bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that this service would do the same thing. And we want to tell you that we love you and thank you in advance for what you're going to do for us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together.
Amen. God bless you. Thank you very much.
Amen. Thank you, choir. As they're going down, I'd just like to reiterate what Kevin said. On February the 12th, we'll have our new members class. And as he mentioned, it is a requirement for membership here. So if you've missed the uh, classes in the past, we've had several families that have had to uh, miss some of the classes we've done in the past. Please uh, take this one. It'll be at 5 p.m. And if you would, you can contact myself, any of the staff, or uh, fill out a card and put it in the basket in the back so that we can have a... Uh, a record of that. Also, if you're a church member and you'd like to go through the new members class, uh, please let us know. We've, we've had members go through the class as well. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Also, on February the 26th, um, we'll have a baptismal service, which will be in the sanctuary. So if you're a candidate for baptism, uh, we would encourage you to uh, sign up for this baptism because it may be a while before we, before we have another one. Also, uh, I get this question asked a lot. People will say, well, I was baptized when I was younger. I went through seasons of, you know, we call them struggles. Amen. Uh, is it okay to get baptized again? I do that. Some churches don't do that, but I feel like that we need to do that from time to time. So if that's you, there's nothing wrong with that. Just contact us and let us know. Um, uh, and we would uh, love for you to take part in that service. It is part of our worship service. We do it first because it's so important. Um, so please uh, contact us before that time so that we could have a record of that as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter. We're going to look at chapter 1. If you will, stand with me. We're going to go through the book of 1 Peter. Tremendous book. When I go through, uh, or even when I read a book, I like to know who the author is. Um, I like to know, like, is this author writing from experience? That's why I like Jack Carr books, Brad Taylor books. Uh, these guys were in the military. They write about military things. They have a different perspective on things. I'm talking about fiction books, okay? When I read 1 Peter, okay, before we read 1 Peter, we need to understand who this guy is, all right? So we're not going to look at a lot of this chapter this morning. As a matter of fact, if you'll notice with me, my translation says this, greeting to, greeting to the elect pilgrims, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and we'll stop right there. Okay, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for this tremendous letter that was written to Christians scattered throughout Turkey. And Lord, it's made its way to us. And Father, I want to thank you for the incredible life of Peter. Lord, a man that you changed his name and changed his life, and because of Peter, Lord, you changed literally changed the world. And Father, I pray that as we see the life of Peter, his ups and downs, that it would encourage us. Lord, it reminds me that none of us are too uneducated, too normal, or too average to be used. Peter was just a regular guy. He was just a regular guy who was a fisherman. And Lord, you used him to do things that we're talking about to this day. Father, he had a lot of ups and downs in his spiritual life. And Lord, that encourages me. Lord, he was a leader who at times messed up and you didn't throw him by the wayside. You still used him. And Father, I believe that there's a leader in all of us here this morning. Father, you've all called us to different things in life different places in your kingdom, and Lord, they're all equally important. So Father, I pray that you'd call people out this morning, number one, for salvation, and then number two, for service. There's no service too big or too little in your kingdom. And Father, I pray that we'd say yes to you, whatever that is, at the end of this service, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. And we love you, Father, in Jesus' name I pray, and once again, all of God's people said together. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, in order to understand the book of 1 Peter, which I think is a wonderful book, it's an amazing thing about Peter when you think about his life. He's, he's a fisherman who follows Jesus. God saves him. 
Uh, he has all these ups and downs. But when he writes this epistle to these people who are struggling, right? Persecution, you got to understand this. Persecution is starting, okay? And it gets very bad, and Peter knows that. But Peter talks about so many different subjects just in this epistle. He talks about how to love your wives. This is Peter about cut a guy's head off, right? He talks about how men are supposed to live in a house with a woman, okay? He talks about how you're to respond to the government. Their government's worse than your government. Whether you're, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, uh, whoever's in office, you know, we can complain about the government. My grandpa was the best to complain about the government, you know. But listen, your go our government was nothing like theirs. We're blessed, okay? He tells you how to submit under that, all right? He talks about how to deal with the devil. Have you ever had anxiety? I mean, think about it. Peter tells you how to handle that. It's amazing the insight God has given this man. And you know what God used in Peter's life, and this will help you? All the good and the bad of his past, he used it to help him become a better person, a better preacher. And Peter was also a pastor. Jesus told him he was going to pastor. Okay? All those things. But when we look at Peter, God, Jesus called him the rock. Now think about that for a moment. He said, you're a rock. He changed his name from Simon to Peter. So look at these four characteristics of Peter's life. The first one is his name. Peter's known by several different names in the New Testament. Simon was a very common name. Seven, there are seven different Simons that are listed in the Gospels. Even among the twelve, the disciples, you had two Simons. His name was original. Fifty times in the four Gospels, he's referred to as Simon. The name Simon means one who hears. All right. It's amazing that that is, is Peter's name because oftentimes he would hear, but he wouldn't listen. Right? He would hear you, but he wasn't listening. Okay? He would hear what Jesus would say, but he really wouldn't listen. His full name is in Matthew 16, is Simon Barjona. means his father's name is Jonah. And that's about all we know of his parents. Peter was his nickname. It means the rock in the Greek, Cephas in the Aramaic. If you'll notice in John 1, 42, this is the first time Jesus spoke to Peter. And he says this, now when Jesus looked at him, and that word looked means he gazed through him. And what Jesus can do, now listen to me. Jesus looked at who Peter was and who he was going to be. That's what the word look means. See? Peter, Jesus saw who he was as Simon and who he was going to be. And that's what Jesus sees in you today. Okay? He sees who you are and he knows all about and there's no secrets with Jesus. Good and the bad and ugly, he sees it all. But he sees what you can be. Right? Jesus knew all about Simon. Look. You are Simon, son of Jonah. Now notice what he says. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or a rock. So you may have a bad reputation in Alexander County. You can come to this church. I've had a bad reputation in Alexander County. But God looks at you and sees what you can be, right? That's why that name is so important. He says, you're Simon, the son of Jonah, but you're going to be called Cephas. From then on, Rock was a nickname, even though Jesus still sometimes called him Simon. Listen to this. His new name was Rock, Peter, but sometimes Jesus called him Simon. Simon was a picture of his old self. And when, when Peter started acting like his old self, Jesus would say, Simon, did your mom ever do that to you? If my mom ever said, James Oliver Steele, game over. It was over, right? It was done. I was done, okay? She'd call me Jamie. But when I did something wrong, James, and then she'd say all three, three names, you're in trouble, okay? Jesus would say Peter, then he'd say Simon. Simon. 
okay? And what he was saying is this, you're not acting like your supernatural self, Peter, you're acting like Simon. He said that over and over again. Anytime you see Jesus say Simon, he's going back to who he was, and he's trying to teach him a point. Nickname, I remember hearing Tommy Lasorda talk about giving baseball players nicknames. And he said he had this tall, lanky guy who was timid, he was passive, and very religious. There's nothing wrong with being religious, he was just passive. Do you know what uh, Tommy Lasorda started calling him? Bulldog. Come here, he said, everybody laughed. It's like calling a tall guy Tiny. <laughs> you ever have, I have friends that call him Tiny, I'm like, he's six foot seven, you know? He said, you're Bulldog from now on. His name was Oral Hershiser. He ended up becoming one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball history. See, what Tommy did was, Tommy said, this, this kid had the most potential. He just didn't believe in himself. So when we started calling him Bulldog, that came out on the mound. He'd say, bring the Bulldog. And Oral Hershiser would go out there. See, Jesus would call Simon Peter. He says, it's not who you are, it's who you can be. Jesus calls him Simon, though, when he has key failures in his life. Notice in Mark 14, in the garden. Notice, Jesus came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon. <laughs> Simon, are you sleeping? Simon. Make sure your neighbor's not sleeping this morning, by the way. Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch with me one hour? And he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And all of God's people said, man, I mean well. Peter said, I'll stay up all night. We're going to have a lock-in in the garden. And he fell right asleep. In John's gospel, now listen to this. When John's gospel, he usually calls him Simon Peter. You know what that means? When John saw him, he says, it's Simon Peter. Good, bad. This is your spiritual life sometimes, right? End up. Let's just be honest, you know. God can use you if you're honest. If you're not honest, if you come in here and act all holy, then I don't know, you're not going to get a lot of help. John said, he's Simon Peter. Because <laughs> John, John didn't know exactly who he was at the time, but Jesus knew. Now think about this. Notice what, notice what, uh, what Solomon says about a good name in Proverbs 22. 1. So, uh, Solomon says this, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name. Now, I've shared this with you before, but when Truett Cathy was here back in 2004, right? Chick-fil-A, I think, had made about $5 billion that year. $5 billion, billion, all right? I can't count that high. And he spoke at the church on a Sunday night, gave everybody a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, all right? Then Monday morning, we met with business leaders in the following counties, you know, Catawba, Wilkes, Caldwell, and a lot of people came and we, we gave them breakfast and said, Truett, you just speak to these people. Give them some business leadership insight from a spiritual perspective, okay? Now, Truett was probably 80-something years old then. And he says, y'all came here to hear me talk and you, you wanted to know how Chick-fil-A's done so well? He said, we just made chicken. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, how I got started, he said, I bought 12 Cokes for five cents, put them in a wagon, went door to door and sold them for 10 cents. And that's how he got started. He said, but I want to tell you the secret to life. And he read that verse. He says, I'm going to die and somebody else is getting my stuff, but my name's going to live on forever. He says, choose a good name. That was his message. Nothing about how to start a business, nothing. He said, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Your name means something, right? Solomon goes on to say in Ecclesiastes, a good name is better than precious ointment. Back then, if you didn't have ointment, it's like being on a... It being on a church van with middle schoolers after it had been to Taco Bell, right? That's not good, okay? 
A good name is better than precious ointment. That's what he's saying is this. A good name is like good cologne. When you say somebody's name, you're like, I love that person. I love that man or that woman, you know? Some of you, you can mention your, your parents, and you're like, man, they're good people. Miss them to this day, right? Grandparents or a good friend who died. You can go to their graveside, and you're just like, man, I miss this person. A good name is better than precious ointment. And he says, if you have a good name, the day of your death is better than the day of your birth. Solomon was so wise, wasn't he? He says, if you have a good name, you can face death with all, all the confidence in the world. Okay. And people are going to miss a person with a good name. Peter ended up with a good name, but God had to change his name. Think about it for a moment. And then think about this. His name was so good that in every list of the 12 disciples, his name is first. John MacArthur says this. Now hear me out. Talking about the 12 disciples, he says, and this will give you insight to Peter. They were not pro prominent in society. They were not prominent in religion. They were not prominent in politics. They were not prominent in education. They're going to go from being commoners to being, as it were, kings in the millennial kingdom when they reign over the 12 tribes of Israel. Now think about that for a moment. These 12 men. Now listen. And beyond that, they're memorialized eternally because in the new Jerusalem, the capital city of the eternal heavens, there are 12 gates which are made of pearl, and at the foot of each gate is a foundation stone. And engraved in those 12 foundation stones of the 12 gates of the holy city are the 12 names of the apostles. And yet to start with, they were the commonest of common people in the land. Listen, they were Galileans. They were not elite. Galileans were the low class, rural, uneducated, as far away as you could get from the literate and the educated in Jerusalem. They were the nobodies. They had gathered around Jesus as disciples. The word means learners. They followed him to learn, but here Jesus picks out 12 of those learners and says, I'm going to train you to be apostles. You are disciples. You will be apostles. You have come to learn and you will go preach. Peter was the leader, no question. The Lord chose him to be the leader. The Lord equipped him to be the leader. The Lord shaped him to be the leader trained him to be the leader. And so when you look at Peter, you can see how God builds a leader. This is a classic biblical illustration of how God builds a leader. If you want to know how the Lord shapes a leader, study Peter's life. He is the key to understanding that issue. Peter had a God-given fabric woven into his personality to make him a leader. Every time the 12 are listed, they're listed in groups, and Peter's always first. That was his name. Notice next, his nature. Some things about Peter. He asked questions. He was a question-asking person. He would always ask questions, and he always had the answer to every question, even though it was wrong a lot of times. I remember being called one time to a uh, teacher's council when one of my kids was younger. Right? I said, oh, here we go. I'm so busy, and they're going to talk. And this is what they said about one of my kids. Your kid answers every question. Don't know the answer to any of them. I know. I know. Now listen, true story said this, your kid, uh, get, ask every question. I said, I know, I know, I know. And they said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, maybe you can help me. I don't know what we're going to do. Your kid talks all the time. I said, I know, isn't that crazy? So we didn't help each other that day. That's Peter, always asking questions and always having the answer for the question he don't know the answer to. That was Peter. That was part of his nature. He was inquisitive. He was also a protector. You remember in the garden when Jesus said, they're coming after me? 
The Roman soldiers probably, their, their guard was probably from the port of Antonia, about 500 of them. Then you have the high priest and his people. Now guess, get this. When they come to take Jesus, Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. You know why? He cut his ear off. He tried to cut his head off. And Jesus said this, put your sword away, Peter. You live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. You know what he says? If you kill this guy, they're going to kill you. Common sense. Peter was going to, he said, and basically what he's saying to Peter, you're going to kill every one of them? What are you going to do? That was Peter. He was a protector. He was also driven. Driven. Now think about that for a moment. He had passion about what he was serious about. And, and if you own a company, listen to me. I'm going to give you one leadership principle that I learned a long time ago. If you're a pastor and you watch this later and you have a staff, or if you're running a company, listen. You're only as strong as a team as your weakest link. You're only as strong as your weakest link. If, you're, if your weakest link is as strong as you are, you've got a pretty good team. Now, Peter was very driven. He did a lot of wrong things. I'd rather reel somebody like that back in. I'd rather reel somebody back then that messes up than have to go to an employee and wake them up, right? Amen? I'm serious. Listen, he had passion. He was driven. And basically what God is saying is, I can use somebody like that. That was Peter. Now, he was also this at times. He, he made emotional decisions. He made emotional decisions. Notice on the screen, and I'm going to read all this, but look at what you have up there. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him on the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter talks. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Stop right there. He defied the laws of physics and walked on the water. He walked on the water. Emotional decisions. He walked on the water. Now think about that for a moment. Only two men ever walked on the water, Jesus and Peter. And then it says this. He came toward Jesus walking on the water, but, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and, the, and cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He says, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. But Peter walked on the water. Emotional decisions. Listen, I've been in services where people made a lot of emotional decisions. I'm going to be a missionary. Are you? <laughs> I'm going to be a preacher. I hear that all the time. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a decision. At least you're, at least you're getting up out of your seat, right? Peter walked on the water. He made emotional decisions. Sometimes, listen to this, Peter was brash. He was indecisive. Sometimes he was undependable. He was courageous sometimes. He was bold. He'd make great promises and not come through. He would start something and not finish it. Sometimes he was so, so confident. Notice on the screen, we all know the story. Jesus told him, he said, This very night you'll fall away on account of me, for it is written, and he quotes prophecy. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, Jesus is telling them what's going to happen. He said it's prophetic. Here's what Peter says. Nah. He's telling Jesus, nah. He's got his own theology here. Nah. You're Jesus. You're the Son of God, but I know more than you do. And Peter says this. Even if I all fall away on account of you, I never will. Look at the word, never. Be careful about saying never. I never will. Truly, Jesus says, and when Jesus says truly, he's getting serious. I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other, other disciples said the same because he was the leader. What Peter's saying is this, I'm not like all men. I'm a cut above the rest. I don't know about the other 11, but I'll never do that. He's overestimated his spiritual strength. And then notice, go on what the Bible says. The Bible says, then he went out through the gateway. And now listen to this. Peter said, I'll never deny you. And this part's not on the screen, but listen to what he says. Then a servant girl saw him, a little girl, a little girl. Come up to the guy that's never going to fall away. I'll die if I have to. And she says this. She says, this fellow was there with Jesus, and he denied it. And this is what he says. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore. That means he's swearing by God's name that he don't know Jesus. Blasphemy. He's basically saying, God, you strike me dead if, if I know Jesus. See, Jesus said you wouldn't just deny me. The better translation is you'll disown me. Now, Jesus, I'll never die, or I'll never deny you. As a matter of fact, I'll die for you. And then a little girl comes up to him. Little girl, you know Jesus? I don't know. I don't know him. Overconfident. He is a very confident man. Look, and then the Bible says this, Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words spoken to Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Listen to what one pastor says. This is called the breaking of the man. This is the crushing of Peter. And no man ultimately is useful to God until he's been crushed. Has your past crushed you? Is your present crushing you? Well, you can be of good use to Jesus. Peter's failure was necessary. He was a broken man at this point. He was never the same after this, ever. He wasn't the bold, self-confident, brash man anymore. This crushed him, and that's absolutely critical. His great rejection was part of the experience the Lord used to shape him. Do you realize that after this, Peter became so content in his life that in Acts 12, when Herod had James killed with a sword, Peter was chained, and Herod said, tomorrow I'm going to kill you. You know what the Bible says Peter was doing? Sleeping. Whatever, I'm not dying. You know why? Because Jesus said, you're going to die when you're an old man. And guess what? In A.D. 67 and 68, Peter died and his wife died as well. So his overconfidence became contentment when he had Jesus. Notice here his confession real quickly. The Bible says this. Notice in Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he says, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets, which would be a very great thing to be called. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now, listen, this is an eternal question that has to be answered. Who do you say I am? Who do you to this day say Jesus is? If you say he's a good example, you're lost. 
If you say he's just a good teacher, you're lost. If you say he's, he's on the same level as Muhammad or Buddha, you're lost. You're lost. You're not saved. You're not. Peter says, I'll tell you who you are. He says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You're it. There's Jesus and nobody else. That's what he said. And Jesus said this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter rock, and that means little rock. And on this rock, this bedrock, this foundation, I'll build my church. What was the foundation? His confession. That Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. When Peter stood in the temple area, he said there's salvation in no other name than Jesus. He gave his life to that. He died crucified, tradition says, upside down based on this confession. The church was built on this confession. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Who is Jesus to you? He told him, he said this. He said, Peter, you're Peter on this rock. I'll build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what are the keys? The gospel. When you share the gospel, people can enter heaven. That's it. On Peter's confession, the church was built. And then finally, notice this, his calling. Think about this. Peter went from convert to disciple. And notice what this word says, an apostle. An apostle is somebody in an official capacity. There are no apostles today in an official capacity. Was someone who had spent time with Jesus Jesus had appeared to them, they had walked with Jesus, they had known Jesus since the resurrection, and that word apostle means an ambassador who's been sent out. So Peter went from a convert to a disciple to an apostle. Jesus says, Peter, I'll make you fishers of men. And the reason churches die is because there's nobody not taking the official role, but just taking the form of an apostle. After the resurrection, Jesus goes to Peter and he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah. He says, feed my lambs. Then he's asking him again. He says, do you love me? He says, yes. He says, tend my sheep. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, well, then feed my sheep. And what he's telling Peter is this. Peter, I am entrusting with you my most precious and valuable possession, my children. That word tend talks about pastoral care. And Peter would call himself a shepherd. Someone who tends the flock like Jesus said. He says, we're not just going to preach to people, we're going to tend to them. That word feed means teaching and preaching. Jesus is saying, Peter, I died and I saved my sheep. You tend them and you feed them. And Peter did that until his death. And Peter will leave those shores and preach the first sermon on Pentecost. And notice what Peter says in this sermon. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd on the day of Pentecost, thousands in attendance. And after he preaches for a while, he says, you know, we know about David. And he basically what he says, paraphrasing from David's line, is going to come the Messiah. He said, David's tomb's over here, but where's Jesus' tomb? Nobody's there. And he quotes some Old Testament prophecy, mentioning that the Messiah would be risen from the dead. And then he said, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, to the Jews that was blasphemy worthy of death. And Peter says, kill me. He says, Jesus is the Messiah. He's preaching to all these people. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which means God convicted them. It's like if you'd rip a piece of paper. The first time I was in church, I was 20 years old and really heard the gospel. 
The pastor was preaching, and my heart was ripped in two. I was ripped in two. I don't know if anybody else in Alexander County was cut to the heart that day, but I was. I don't remember what the preacher was preaching. It's not like he was the greatest preacher ever. He was faithful to the gospel. And my heart was ripped in two. When Peter's preaching, he's just sharing Jesus, and they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. An amazing thing. For a Jewish person to be baptized in the name of Jesus, they lost everything. And Peter says, Do it. Basically today, 3,000 people that day. Eventually, they said the church in Jerusalem had over 50,000 members. Peter went on from there, and he went to Antioch, he went to Syria. He came back and led the Jerusalem council. He, he led Cornelius to faith, the first Gentile the gospel was ever shared with. Now, I'll say this. God is patient with his leaders, and you should be as well. Peter messed up, but Jesus didn't throw him to the wayside. He was called by God. He was not called by people. And this is all Peter can do. God ain't called Peter to do anything else but be an apostle. And that's all he can do. He repented and God used him in a greater way after his denial than before. Now listen to that again. He repented and God used him in a greater way after his denial than before. Jesus said to him, I am not done with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to greatly use you for the next 34 years. And Peter's life can be summed up in the last words of the last epistle he wrote when he said this, Church, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. Simon became Peter. He became the rock, one of the greatest leaders in the church. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Right now, if you will, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If our musicians will come now, in just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And I would say this to you in the closing of this, of this service. I would ask you this question. Do you know the Lord? Jesus said this to, his tw- to the twelve, to those that were following him. He said, do you, who do you say that I am? And right now, I would ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? Is your faith in the resurrected Christ or another type of Jesus. Because that other type of Jesus doesn't save anybody. Doesn't save anybody. Is your faith in the historical resurrected Christ or not? If not, today's the day of salvation. Have you messed up in your life? The same Jesus that forgave Peter can forgive you. And I would say this. Are you called to do something? This is January of 2023. Are you called to do something? Then I would encourage you to do it. Amen. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, there may be folks in here this morning that need to repent of something. They don't have to come forward to do that. Lord, I'm so thankful that you know all about us, that you look at us like you did Peter, and you see what we can be. And Father, I pray that you would forgive and cleanse and use people for your honor and your glory. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that you'd save them today. And Father, I pray that you'd call out amongst your church, men and women, Lord, to be apostles, to be sent forth to share the good news. 
And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in the song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. so much for being here with us today. I want to remind you that tonight service starts at 5 p.m. I hope everyone has a great Sunday afternoon. I hope to see you back here tonight. Thank you and you're dismissed.